Yes, now to India, where authorities are scrambling to stop the screening and sharing of a BBC documentary about the rise of the Prime Minister. The documentary raises serious questions about Mr Modi's actions during the 2002 religious riots in the western state of Gujarat, where more than 1,000 people, mostly Muslims, died during an outbreak of religious violence. Here's a little from the BBC's India, the Modi question. This series tells the story of Narendra Modi's troubled relationship with India's Muslims. As a young child, Mr. Modi joined an organization which believes that this is a country of the Hindus. Could he have done more to prevent violence that killed hundreds of Muslims? We were hearing that those orders to let all this happen were coming from the top. It is obviously a stain on his reputation, there's no way out of that. I am not agree with your analysis. I am not agree with your information. From where you have picked up this type of garbage, I do not know. He was cleared of criminal conspiracy, a finding upheld by India's highest court. Agenda was to destroy Narendra Modi politically. The agenda was explicitly political. But concerns will not go away. Now, that's from the BBC's India, the Modi question. Now, that can't be watched yet here in Australia, although it's certainly being circulated. No doubt it will be coming soon. And one of the people you heard there was the former Foreign Secretary, Jack Straw, and that's quite an important development, as we'll discuss. The ban that has been set in place in India has set off a wave of criticism from opposition parties and rights groups who say that blocking the doco further erodes press freedom and India's secular republic. So what exactly is this documentary that's raised the ire of the Modi government and his Hindu supporters who've accused the BBC of a colonial mindset Sally Tripathi is a uh, author and contributing editor to The Caravan, a very interesting journal on Indian politics and uh, culture. Hello, Salil. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Could you please explain for us what this two-part doco is about? You've seen part one, I think. And what, yes. what is it, how broad is it? So the part one of the documentary tells you nothing that you did not know if you follow the story of Gujarat as if you're following a cricket test match, you know, like every ball and every moment. But the important part is exactly what you mentioned earlier, the Jack Straw interview, because one of the important findings of the documentary is that there is a report that was written by the British Foreign Office, Foreign Commonwealth Office then, now Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, which basically shows that British diplomats investigated what was going on in Gujarat. One of them called it a pogrom. And there was sufficient evidence that they thought that they felt that Modi was responsible for what happened. Right. So that was commissioned specifically after it occurred. And that has been kept quiet, has it? That's been kept secret? That report? Yeah, that report was not known. I mean, those who follow India and Gujarat and its politics heard this from NGOs, from human rights activists, there is a brilliant report called we, Are, we Have No Orders to Save You by Human Rights Watch. It's on their website, which basically shows Muslim victims rushing to the police for help and the police telling that we have no orders to save you. And the police are supposed to save the innocent victims. And in this case, they abdicated their responsibility. 
and all that has been documented. And now we have a foreign government saying more or less the same thing. So, mm. I mean, it's not enough to, you know, pin any medal around anybody, but at least it adds further evidence in knowing what was going on. Yes. Well, like Mr. Modi, of course, has long rejected accusations that he had any yes. responsibility, as you know, for the violence. And in 2013, a Supreme Court panel also said there was insufficient evidence to prosecute him. So I suppose the question is whether this re reopens it um, and whether it puts more pressure on somebody to, to, to take it further. Now, do you think it will, this documentary? So interestingly, it puts pressure on taking Mr. Modi seriously as a global Democrat. Because, you know, India is hosting G20 next year, I think. And, you know, India is very keen to present itself as... Uh, the word it uses is Vishwa Guru, which means uh, the the sage of the world for democracy. And, you know, Mr. Modi has been talking a lot about that. Whenever he's abroad, he quotes Gandhi. But when he's in India, he doesn't, but his supporters cite Godse, the man who killed him. So, I mean, he's trying to play this double game. So in India, the film will not have much of an impact. It will convince those who think that Modi is innocent because the Supreme Court said he's free and he was given a clean chit. And those who are nursing the wounds of their pain, mm. and I know many of them, I mean, I'm writing a book on about Gujaratis, not Gujarat, but Gujaratis, and I've been meeting them they have a completely different perspective about what happened then. So that's one part of it. But internationally, I mean, it's interesting, you know, I mean, they, they build up these Hindu nationalist heroes in India, but abroad, they swear by Gandhi. So there is a cognitive dissonance here, a Janus-faced approach, mm. which, which is interesting to watch, which is fine if you're not an Indian, but if you're an Indian citizen in India, it's extremely galling and painful. Interesting. I mean, if it's not, if there's nothing particularly new there, why is the government reacting? No, 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 no. No, it's not nothing new. What's, what's new here for me is confirmation of what local NGOs and international NGOs have been saying by a diplomatic source. Now, yes, in, in, a, in a court of law, that means nothing. I agree. But it's wonderful to know that there are people who are witnessing, who are there at that time, who saw what was going on and who documented it. And that's very important in this day of, in this age of post-truths, half-truths and all that that we are living in, yeah. By the way, how are people getting round the ban? Uh, what's the appetite like now to watch it? So <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, there's a word in, in Hindi called jugad, which means you make do and you improvise. So when the state builds a system to prevent you from doing something, you find another way of fixing it. So yes, on one hand, it's true that India is trying to ban YouTube and Twitter, and it has, and both those companies have complied with the Indian request, in spite of you know Elon Musk's claims of being a free speech champion, which he certainly is not. He's for his own free speech, and it's for the free speech of those he agrees with and those he doesn't care about. But others he doesn't, I mean, he will make amend as he has done in the Indian case. He has banned. But people are able to share it on Google Drives. I, I, the number of Indians, I mean, you know, I'm just one person living in New York. But I have in the last 
two weeks since the, or 10 days since the film was shown, at least 10 people have sent me links on their own Google drives to see the film if I want to. So the film will be seen. It was shown at the Jawaharlal Nehru University, at the Jamia Ismailia University, the right wing, as is their want, as they did it in Germany in the 1930s, tried to beat up the students who were trying to watch it. But, you know, a lot of young Indians are very brave and they will still watch it so on the phones, on the tablets and all that. Yeah. Well, yes, that's what I would have expected, which is obviously what's worrying them. Does, uh, does it affect Modi's leadership? Does it damage him politically, in your view, something like this? Is it a drip feed? So internally, I mean, you know, I've not lived in India for more than 20 years, so it's not a fair thing for me to say. Internally, I don't think it will matter. His supporters will be even more emboldened to back him. And those who are disheartened will say, yes, we knew it all along. And the number of people who are telling me, yes, we knew what's new in this document is what people are saying. Internationally, it will dent his image. And if international image of a leader matters, then that's a good thing if you care for liberalism and democracy. I notice also that um, the Adani Group's woes, that just, uh, you know, they've lost $51 billion in value because of this massive share About slump. time. And, About time, And that, yes. you know, they're, they're sort of absolutely joined at the hip with Modi. So there are absolutely. people suggesting that the Modi's growth model is under some pressure. So I don't think Modi has a growth model. Modi speaks about growth and, you know, I, I, I used to be a journalist in Singapore and I saw how businessmen and cronies rose around Suharto and around Mahathir in the 90s. And all I can say is that Adani and businessmen like him are similar to Tansri Basir Islam on one hand and the Salik group in Indonesia on the other hand. They're beneficiaries of a system of patronage. Crony capitalism. And there is Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. Crony capitalism. You know, remember, I mean, I in the mid-90s, you know, I covered for the Far Eastern Economic Review the fall of Suharto. Corrupsi, kolusi, konfrontasi. These were the phrases that were being used by the people in Indonesia on the streets to challenge what Suharto was doing to Indonesia with Salim and, and Lipo and Ikatipcha Vijaya. These were the groups. And India is going through the same kind of situation now, where there are certain businessmen who get all the deals that they want. I'm not suggesting there's any corruption. I mean, I don't even know. I have no evidence to say that. But there are favoured business people who get what they want to do. And they own airports, they own ports, they get mm. the deals that they want. And Mr. Adani, and I know in Australia, I mean, you know, I was Oh, well, it's a huge issue here too. Oh, absolutely. Mm. No, no, I was in Brisbane at the Literature Festival about four years ago, maybe. Uh, and I remember at that time, you know, my friends took me around and everywhere I went, there were posters saying, Adani, go back. And, and I can understand why there is this anger. Now, can I just ask you, and if I ask you, it's a, it's a quite difficult question, but that man, the Hindu nationalist Nataram Godse, who murdered Mahatma Gandhi, there's a new yes. film about him in which uh, the filmmaker imagines the two men get along. It's a complete sort of alternative history where Gandhi yeah. survives the attack and they, they liaise over a prison cell and try to persuade each other. What do, this is odd, isn't it? What do you make of this? So, you know, you know I love, you know... I've been on the Writers in Prison Committee at Penn, which I chaired. I'm on the board of Penn International. So I'm nothing against imagination. But when imagination is used as a way to offer a particular ideology, it's important for the counter-narrative to be known. And that counter-narrative in this case is history. The fact remained 
that Godse did kill Gandhi. He was executed later. And to think, as the film suggests, that, you know, Godse later saves Gandhi in the end, however Hollywoodish or Bollywoodish end it might seem, is completely not true. My, my, my fundamental problem with that film is that it equates Godse as Gandhi's equivalent, which is almost like saying that John Wilkes Booth is the equivalent of Abe Lincoln or Lee Harvey Oswald is the equivalent of John Kennedy or, you know, mm, so Ray is equivalent of Martin Luther King. Now, I take your point. I mean, it, it's it's really worth another whole discussion. It's some very interesting writing about what this represents uh, as going on in India. So we may come back to you, Salil. Thank you very much for very that overview. Happy to do that. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank Salil you. Tripathi, who is a, a contributing editor to the Caravan, and thank you for your text coming in. I know our Indian diaspora really engages with this a lot. We'll be back after eight. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.